When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oi, Steve, where are you? I'm at the cafe, where are you? What? 15 minutes away? Mate, I've been here for ages. Heavy winds? Yeah, well, you should have left earlier. You know how it gets this time of day. Uh, well, if you're going to take that long, I'm going to go and take a shit. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. Bye. Excuse me, champ, you know where the nearest statue is? Down there, I think. Down there? Cheers. podcast on the athletic network it's friday april 30th and this is the drop hashtag full squad i'm je skeets rolling with mr what you need to know tass mellis hey everybody hey tassie we got the top shot boy himself trey kirby hey yo hey, hey yo the international man of mystery taking it to the max lee ellis friend <laughs> and last but not least making the magic happen here a little earlier than normal on a friday is jd hello there he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Guys, please continue to like, comment, and subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Thanks to everybody who joined us last night for our NBA happy hour game night. Uh, had a lot of fun playing GeoGuessr and filling out Sporkle quizzes and opening up old F1 racing cards and, well... The highlight of the night for me, catching Carmen Sandiego's henchman, Nick Brunch. <laughs> so, gotcha, Nick. Thanks to everybody that uh, rolled through for game night. Uh, a lot of people uh, leaving some kind comments underneath. So we'll try to do that again sometime in the future. Keep your NBA questions coming for the next Beach Step and Podcast. Email them at nodunks at theathletic.com. And immaculate items always available for sale over at nodunks.com. Okay, on today's drop... A little bit different than normal because we're going to really focus on debating and predicting the NBA award winners for the 2020-21 NBA regular season. We're going to fill out our MVP ballot and you know make our picks for Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, all the awards. But before we get to that, we got to address some wild action in the NBA on Thursday night. Okay, Kevin Durant went for a season-high 42, net swept the Pacers. And then with no Luka, or limited, I guess, Luka and Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr. steps up. Career-high 42 points, including 17 in a row in the fourth quarter. Lili, looking good with my bet with you. You got mm-hmm. Terry Rozier. I got Tim Hardaway Jr. Mavs beat the Pistons. And then finally, the real big news. Tass talked about it on What You Need to Know this morning. Kevin Porter Jr. catching fire in Houston, becoming the fourth player in NBA history to score 50 points in a game before turning 21 years old as the Rockets Shocked the Bucks there, Tassie. It was uh, absolutely huge. Some big scoring performances last night. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you've talked about it, Skeets. People expected Kevin Porter Jr. to put up some big numbers on the Houston Rockets as they try to find their way here at the end of the season. They've sat John Wall, so Kevin Porter Jr. has just been given the ball. The guy can score, obviously, uh, but his career high before yesterday's game was only 30 points, so he topped it by 20. Uh, and last year, he was with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in the backcourt in, in Cleveland. 
I thought he was the best prospect of the three. Maybe it's because I'm a Colin Sexton hater, uh, but I always loved him the most just because he kind of looks the smoothest. But I never thought he really had sort of the handles and playmaking ability he's showing right now. And the handles, I think, are definitely going to get better, but I thought he was just more of a scorer. But he's doing the scoring at 11 assists as well. Uh, so he's the biggest of those three guards, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's mm-hmm. sort of the same size as Darius Garland, I guess. But those guys are tiny compared to Porter Jr., who uh, can, yeah, can kind of see over everybody and it's hard not to make the James Harden comparison he went to a strip club last week he's left-handed uh, but he's different he's different than that he he can uh, he's getting a new start here and uh, he looked awesome obviously uh, it's it's just such a smooth stroke so it's nice to watch yeah and uh, that list of uh, young guys to do it it's a pretty funny list right it's LeBron Devin Booker Brandon Jennings, and now Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> and uh, look, I, we were celebrating juniors all week here at TK. Tim Hardaway Jr. going off. Now Kevin Porter Jr. there on the same night. Big week for juniors. Yeah, people were saying I'm going to have to move Kevin Porter Jr. up my list. Mm-hmm. Does he take Michael Porter Jr.'s spot as the best current Porter Jr.? Or the best, well, I guess he is the best Porter Jr. I guess that's a complete conversation right there. No, I'll still take MPJ overall, but great stuff from KPJ last uh- night. Also last night, we're not going to show it to you here, but we will probably get it up on our YouTube uh, page. Had some big beef, TK. A new member to the big beef club. And this is a nice beef, if I'm being completely honest. Alizé Johnson, not a huge guy. Most of his lay- or, uh, most of his rebounds are like legitimate highlights. The guy's flying in for these. Uh, there's some crazy ones, no doubt. So tune in later, definitely. Awesome. All right. So let's get to it, to the meat of this drop podcast here. End of the NBA regular season. It's rapidly approaching. Uh, two weeks to go, basically, guys, which means award season is upon us. So let's do it here. We're going to take turns sort of leading the picks or the conversation, at least, with each of these awards. And we might have a bunch of agreements. But if you disagree, you know, speak up. Make your case for another guy. And I'm sure there will be a whole bunch of, hey, what about this dude? What about this guy? We'll try not to go overboard with that. But look, it always happens. So let's just start with the granddaddy of them all, the most valuable player. And Trey, you're going to start us off here. But there's two things to this. Who's your MVP pick and why, of course? And then if you're feeling frisky, Give us that top five ballot. You know, who's sitting there at the dinner table and part of the conversation. So have at it. That's right, Skeets. We've been talking about the MVP table for the entire season. Such an exclusive table. You got to book months in advance. It's crazy to think that we're finally here getting to enjoy this delicious meal. (laughs) You know, I've been thinking about it for such a long time that I know exactly what I'm ordering. First thing I got to have, number one, it's an easy choice, easier than you would think. Nikola Jokic is your MVP. You can sit wherever you want at that table. Buddy, I think this is actually going to end up being an easy choice because it has been the choice for the entire season. Is it this guy or is it Nikola Jokic? Is it that guy or is it Nikola Jokic? (laughs) Is it some other guy or Nikola Jokic? If we're talking about other guys but one name keeps coming up, it's probably going to be the guy that keeps coming up, and Jokic is that guy. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 8.5 assists a game. He's shooting 57%, 41 from three, and 85 from the free throw line. You know, his consistency at this point has kind of, uh, I feel like, overshadowed the fact that we're seeing a center average nine assists a game, basically going 50-40-90 while being the number one guy for his team the entire season. According to Basketball Reference, 
Jokic's 31 plus PER season is just the 13th in history. He's on a list now, or will be, with Wilt Chamberlain, pretty good, did it three times. Michael Jordan, four times in his absolute prime from 88 to 91, was over 31 for PER. LeBron did it three times during the 09, 10, and 13 seasons. Steph Curry did it when he was a unanimous MVP. Giannis did it last year when he won an MVP. It's easily going to be Jokic. He's played like an MVP when he was the only one playing well for the Nuggets. They were struggling to get wins early in the season. Mm-hmm. Played like an MVP when they were clicking. Murray and MPJ were both balling, and Jokic was still doing it. He played like an MVP when they got Aaron Gordon, looked like a title contender, and he's continued to play like an MVP since Jamal Murray went down. They're 8-1, and one, which honestly is probably only going to help Nikola Jokic's narrative case I actually think this is going to be an easy win, and number two is going to be the hard call. Because, like, I was thinking about this Derrick Rose thing. I got into this with Schumann talking about MVPs yesterday. Mm-hmm. Went back and thought, man, that must have been a close race. It wasn't. Dwight Howard got, like, three first-place votes, and that's what this season feels like to me. It feels like we're talking a lot about the MVP because we got to find something to talk about. It's going to be Jokic in a walk. Okay, but you don't think it will be a unanimous uh, no, 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 no. There I don't will think be some be first place votes for no way. Embiid or Chris Paul or maybe sure, even a Curry sure. or something like that. Okay. Somebody else. Yeah. Uh, does everybody agree before we get to the top five sort of ballot here in flushing it out with Jokic? Lee, is he is he your pick in a bit of a runaway too, like TK saying? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, so many guys have had a claim at some point and for whatever reason, they sort of have dropped in the standings a bit, but he has been the most consistent and uh, the Nuggets playing well. And, you know, you would like to see the Nuggets maybe creep up a little higher if they can just to sort of solidify his case. But uh, I think ultimately he's, he's done enough to get the job done from here. Um you know, coming off what happened in the bubble last season, it was like, can the Nuggets sort of back up that performance? And he has clearly done that. Jamal Murray was starting to get it together before he went down with that knee injury. But uh, uh, Jokic, who tended to start it off, start off seasons a little bit slower, didn't really do that this season. He got it going from the start, even if the Nuggets themselves didn't get it going. So I think so. I think after that, then, you know, you can certainly shuffle those, uh, you know, two through five, six positions. Because, uh, again, so many guys at different stages of the season have had great performances and great roles. But whether or not it's been injuries in the case of Joel Embiid, which sort of knocked his case back a little bit, or the fact that, like, for Steph Curry, as great as he's been, the Warriors' record is uh, is not is, is going to go against him. So I think Jokic sort of ticks enough boxes that he is going to win. Um, yeah, and he's probably going to win at least 75%, I think, of those first-place ballots. Uh, maybe even more, probably probably even more than that. Yeah. But uh, we just know that a few other guys are going are to uh, get some first-place votes because they've warranted it at some point. And, and the way that the voting goes, this is not like Steph when he had that, when the Warriors had that 73-9 and nine season where there was just no one even really in that same conversation. And he was the first unanimous, but that's the only time it's happened. So that just shows how unlikely it is to happen again this season. So, Tass, we talked to Batman villains last night on game night. You got the Joker here at number one on that <laughs> list and this one too. I, I assume you do, right? That's a beauty segue, man. Way to, way to jump on that segue and ride it over to me. Yeah, that's uh, that's nice. Um, yeah, I think so. It's, it's just the way he plays so beautifully too that it makes me want to jump on board. Uh, Lee just mentioned Curry, and to me, he's like a big man Curry in, in a lot of ways because he loves getting off the ball. Even though he leads the league in touches, he also leads the league in passes. Uh, so he keeps the ball in his hands for less than 
half the time as the other players in the top five in assists. Like, he doesn't handle the ball wow. as much, uh, but he turns it over less uh, than all those guys because he's so good at it. Uh, Sirat Sohi, our friend at Yahoo Sports, has a nice write-up on Jokic about he's the MVP um, uh, for in, in her eyes because he does less, uh, but he still gets all those stats. Like, he, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands at all times. And I think we all sort of expected Jokic to kind of fall off a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like the Joker did in, in the Batman canon. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, to be honest. But, uh, uh, you know, just throwing things out there. We need things to talk about. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the Joker has been amazing. It's, it's, it's wild that the MVP, uh, uh, we're all pretty... Pretty certain he's going to win it. We're going to have a foreign-born MVP three seasons in a row. That's never happened. Two seasons in a row had never happened before Yanis did it uh, twice in a row. But, yeah, that's an MVP award for uh, for the Balkan Peninsula, for Vladi, for Kukoc, for, for Drazen, for the Serbs, the Croats, for all of them. Uh, but I guess he beat Luka Doncic to the punch here. He's the first you know, from that peninsula to do it. But uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think you can give it to anybody else because he's now got a better record than Joel Embiid, even though people look and say... Hmm. Joel Embiid's the number one seed in the East, and Denver's the number four seed. They actually have a better record. They have a better win, uh, better one more win, I should say. So uh, at this point, how do you do it? He's 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 awesome without Jamal Murray. You know, at eight and one, uh, as Trey said, it's I, I don't know how you take it away from him. And and I think uh, you know it's good for the NBA to keep it going global, uh, keep keep uh, the excitement in Europe uh, as high as possible, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, you're, you can't you can't be wrong if you take Embiid, Curry, Yanis Lillard, uh, unless you're Brian Windhorst, I guess, and then you got to fight about it on a podcast. Uh, but uh, he took LeBron. I didn't even mention LeBron. Like, there's just so many freaking guys. Uh, but um, yeah, Jokic, Jokic is the guy. I think he, I think 75 percent of the ballots. I don't know. I, I don't know more, how people are. Thinking. I think more at this point. I think exactly what we've done over the last couple of weeks here is just like. Oh, this was Chris Paul week. Let's big up him just to make things a little interesting. Before that, you know, it's uh, Embiid had his time, of course. And, and even earlier on, it was like, of course, you know, Harden and all that. But, uh, yeah, Jokic is the, the steady factor here throughout this entire thing. And he checks all the boxes, like you said, Lee. I mean, crazy stats. Well, yep, he's got those. Of course, we know he's impactful out there. His team has great success. You know, I guess he's clutch. The narrative, maybe that's like, you know, people like a narrative to their MVP. I guess, is he missing that? If you're if you're like knocking him one point here, it's like, I don't think Eight it's all Eight and one important. without Jamal Murray, yeah, that's that going to be part of it. Yeah, that's a good point. That actually is a really good point. That uh, that little twist at the end there with that big injury to Jamal, unfortunately. Um, that's a good, great call. Um, so anyway, okay, we all agree Jokic is the MVP. Let's do the rest of it here. Who's uh, two through five there, TK? All right, who else is sitting at the table? The rest of my ballot it goes like this. At number two. Joel Embiid. At number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. At number four, Luka Doncic. At number five, Chris Paul. Wow. Okay. Okay, Leah, I see you. Uh, two you through know, five uh, is a toughie. Agreeing here. Yeah, very tough. Very tough. There's obviously going to be a bunch of, hey, what about this guy? Where? Where's that guy? Uh, but, Lee, I saw you nodding along. You seem to enjoy that list. You're liking those names in that order. Yeah, I mean, I've got basically the same names, and the order is pretty much down to whatever you perceive to be more important or who's been more impactful. I think I'd probably bump Chris Paul up to fourth rather than fifth simply because, again, the Suns have become such a good team and he's been so good now he doesn't have the numbers but clearly he has the impact and the leadership on that team so Mm -hmm. i would give him uh you know a higher position but again after one 
It doesn't really matter. You're shuffling around the deck there a little bit. And uh, Giannis, again, I mean, we all came in with a bit of a bias. It's like, Giannis, you have to be super special this season. And I think we held that against him for probably, again, the first month or so. But then it was like, wow, he's, he's been awesome. Again, he's been incredible. Got the numbers. And Joel Embiid, I just wish he didn't miss any time. That's the only thing. Because mm-hmm. if he's playing the entire season, then I think that race between him and Jokic is closer. But he missed a little bit of time there. Uh, and so that probably does sort of just uh, take him out of the running somewhat. But this has by far been Joel Embiid's best season uh, as far as a player, as far as a leader. Defensively, he's been great. And the Sixers have the record. So that all those things... Things count for Joel Embiid. Um, and who else did you have? Doncic in there. I mean, Doncic, you know, he, he's just incredible for a third-year player uh, doing what he's doing for the Mavericks. I mean, you know, he, he moves the needle so much for them to the point where it's like when Porzingis plays, clearly they are a better team. But without him, it's like Doncic has the ability, I th- still think, to uh, cause an upset in that first round for the Mavericks. He's that good. So, yeah, basically the same guys shuffle the order a little bit, but uh, all of them, for, for whatever reason, have been uh, incredible on their teams. And you're seeing the results there. Like I say, Chris Paul, for me, I thought, you know, the Suns, it's a bit of a desperation move here. He was incredible in OKC, but he's going to be turning 36. Can he sort of replicate what he did in OKC? And he's been even better. So uh, uh, that that's just a, a remarkable performance by him at this stage of his career. Tass, any issues with TK's list? It's a good list. Uh, I'm throwing Steph Curry in there uh, because... Uh, uh, like his season is basically his MVP season and he just doesn't have the win. So people aren't going to put him there. Um, but you know, he has they are three and a half games back of the Blazers currently four and a half games back of the, the Mavs. And I attribute that to supporting cast. Uh, and I know, I know Lillard carried his team, um, for a lot of it, but, uh, I mean, I, I think that, um, that, that gap is really just because of the supporting cast. So I, I've got Steph in there, you know, with Lillard uh, at the back end at the 4-5, and I would drop Luka, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's a great family to be in. Um, yeah, and, you know, we didn't include <laughs> the guys in the playoffs who were going were gonna to say, oh, yeah, that guy's the best player in the world, and LeBron and mm-hmm. Kawhi, uh, who, you know, were in it for a long time, uh, but fell off just because we're doing this right here and right now with 10 games left in the season and Kawhi is currently out and LeBron is currently out um, that, you know, we may, we may even change, tinker it a little bit two weeks from now if we made our decision, That's but true. Uh, sure. a little bit, a little bit, like not a lot. I think no, we'd all no. take Jokic. Um, but yeah, as far as like the injured guys go, yeah, they may, they may jump up, but uh, let's hope they get back and get back healthy. Cause then we can do the, Oh yeah, he's the best player in the world and watch LeBron James again, but he didn't have the best season. So I think it's fair to, to have him out of the top five. Yeah, I was checking uh, that classic 2020-21 NBA MVP award tracker there over on mm-hmm. Basketball Reference this morning. I've been keeping my eye on it all season long. And Jokic is number one with a bang. They have him at basically a 70% chance to win MVP. So that's sort of right in line with what we're saying. Then it's a little interesting because for whatever reason, there's no Embiid and there's no Curry on this top 10 list. Uh you know, Curry, I oh, guess maybe they're holding the record against them, but then Jimmy Butler's on this list, you know, with a with a Heat team that's 33 and 30. So that's a little odd. Embiid maybe just not hitting enough minutes played or something like that. Again, just a little strange. But it's Jokic, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard third, who has had a very, very good season that has been completely overlooked. No one cares until, mm-hmm. he, you know, of course, does it in the playoffs. But he's like, I, I even I was shocked that it was like, wow, Kawhi's averaging 26 points per game. You know, his shooting splits are are 
very close to like the 50, 40, 90 type club. Then Kyrie was fourth, which is amazing when you think about that one, uh, that he may be the third best player on his damn team, but here he is, you know, top five according to basketball reference and their MVP award tracker. Then Rudy Gobert, fifth, Luca, Jimmy Butler, like I said, a bit of a shocker. Chris Paul, eighth, and then Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard. That's uh, that's how Basketball Reference has their uh, their award tracker there. But you know, Lee, a little tough for the Jazz, who could have the best record, and very likely won't have a guy in in the top five in in the official MVP votes. Um, maybe a few sneak in there in the top ten, but you know, is that that's I guess that's not that's not really surprising, right? They just, they're no, a great uh, team. They are a great yeah. team, and Gobert's very important. Donovan Mitchell's a special player, of course, yeah. injured recently. But, uh, yeah, maybe not the level of some of these other guys we're talking about. Yeah, but they are going to get recognition in some other awards, which is more a reflection True. of what the what the uh, Jazz do. Because, yeah, Donovan Mitchell has been incredible this season, but not to the same level of those other guys, like a Doncic or Lillard or whoever. And Rudy Gobert, I mean, uh, yeah, he, he's great. His team is great. He back uh, anchors that defense, but... You know, you wouldn't say he's better than Giannis or Joel Embiid or or anybody else. I mean, he he plays his role very very well. But that's the thing with the uh, the Jazz is they've got such balance and such depth, so many contributors. Not one that really stands out as much as uh, some of these other guys do on their team. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a bit like the uh, well, I was going to say the Philadelphia 76ers in two thousand one, but Iverson did win the MVP then. So, but what I meant was that they won so many awards: six man, defensive player, coach of the year. You know, they mm-hmm. had all these other contributors, but then they they also had Alan Iverson there. So it doesn't really work in this sense. But uh, you know, <laughs> you, you see that sometimes from teams where they uh, you know they just. Uh, have such a great season. A lot of guys get recognition without necessarily one guy being the, the dominant player on the team. Who was the Philly six man? Was it Aaron McKee? Aaron McKee, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I remember I remember it was like Iverson MVP, Larry Brown coach, McKee for six man, and Matumbo for defensive player yeah. of the year. Uh, not they didn't get rookie, obviously, uh, but they and they <laughs> didn't win the championship. So they won sort of all the individual awards without winning the title. Anyone... That you want to throw into to this? Hey, what about this guy? When it comes to the MVP, like that, especially after I went through like you know another seven or eight names there on Basketball Reference Tracker. Was there a name that shocks you, Tass? That's like, okay, it's not gonna, they're not gonna win. Like, what about Devin Booker? I mean, Devin Booker should be in the same conversation a little bit to me as a Donovan Mitchell. Like, I think he's some very, very similar there in, in his impact and, and to t- team success. Uh, but anyone else? No, I, I I can't go deeper than uh, than the ten. I mean, uh, that's enough. That's enough chairs at, at the dinner table. I think 10, 10 is good. Yeah, Devin Booker is like, uh, you know, he, he turns Chris Paul's OKC team from last year into what the Phoenix Suns team is this season. Like, he propels them um, into a, another stratosphere. So, yeah, Chris Paul can be at the table, but Devin Booker's got to be right beside him. I mean, mm. they can share a chair. Like, it's, 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 <laughs> you know, you yeah. squeeze that little, squeeze that. They're small over. enough. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Paul's been working out for. I can't believe he's 35. He's still looking great. Uh, Devin Booker, yeah, obviously everybody excited to see him in the playoffs. But, yeah, you watched um, the the way OKC played last year. And, yeah, Devin Booker is just so important uh, to this team. Uh, And and they are a huge threat in the Western Conference, and I can't wait. But, yeah, is he equally as important as Chris Paul? I'd say no just because of what Chris Paul brings to the table in terms of the locker room and being, you know, a manager out there like Devin Booker Hasn't been in his career, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a lot of guys. I think we've named a lot of guys. I think right? we're missing one name though. Whoa. that basketball reference what? didn't have, and we've talked about before maybe being in the top five and might legitimately get some 
you know, decent end of the ballot votes, Julius Randle, mm. right? Fair and Trey, we talked about him like, hey, maybe he slips in there. Now, I don't think he will ultimately, but he's going to be on. He's going to get some votes. There's going to be some fourth or fifth place votes for Julius Randle, and deservedly so with the, the season he's had. So it's a little shocking he's not even on basketball references thing there. Sure. Yeah, he'll probably get some fourth and fifth place votes. You're absolutely right. Um, but I mean, Julius Randle, you're going to be showing up later yeah, in this okay. show, no doubt about it. And that's why I don't think people are... Super enthused, unless you're a Knicks fan or a Knicks media member, to be putting them on your MVP ballot. Maybe just change that middle number. Okay, well, let's go to the uh, next award here. We'll we'll get to most improved a little bit later, but we're going to go to defense here. From offense to defense. Tass, you're going to get us started. Who is uh, your defensive player of the year? Well, it's Rudy Gobert for me. And I think this race and the, the narrative and discussion around this race is probably as juicy as the Defensive Player of the Year award can get, ever to me anyways, because it's, it's not so much about stats. It, it's you know about the feel and everything. But to have a little bit of controversy around it is uh, pretty unique. Uh, I, I know guys say, hey, I want to be Defensive Player of the Year. But Ben Simmons has said it for the Philadelphia 76ers over and over and over again this season. And, uh, you know, he has a history with the Utah Jazz when it comes to mm-hmm. award selection. You know, remember back in 2018 with him and, and uh, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell wore the two sweaters. The first one that said rookie and the definition of rookie because Ben Simmons <laughs> sat out a year. And then just right. a straight rookie question mark after he said he didn't care. But uh, he cared a little bit. But anyway, so then, so then we got Ben Simmons telling ESPN and Rachel Nichols recently that Ruby Go- Rudy Gobert guarded me when we played them, and I scored 42 points. Is he is he defensive player of the year? If you do check the tape, you know Simmons went three for seven for nine points when Rudy was actually guarding him, and a few turnovers, by the way, uh, when going head to head with Rudy Simmons on Twitch last year said uh, Rudy Gobert wasn't in the top five because he doesn't doesn't guard all five guys. He has an anti big man bias when it comes to guarding. <laughs> yeah, buddy. He does, uh, because, you know, he sees himself as, as being able to guard more of the perimeter than Rudy Gobert, which he absolutely does. But I always definitely lean towards a big man when it comes to this category, uh, because you just can't guard people that well on the perimeter in today's NBA. You need somebody to stop guys at the rim because you can't touch anybody. And the only place you can really meet them is at the rim. And when you get into the stats... Rudy Gobert's stats are better than Ben Simmons across the board, other than steals. Uh, but he is the leader in defensive field goal percentage in all areas of the floor. The number one guy you don't want to shoot against, don't want to have defend you, uh, you know, defensive win shares, all that. Um, but outside of steals, Gobert is the guy that you don't want to see at the rim, which is the most important part of the floor, not only because layups uh, are the you know the most efficient shot in basketball, but also because that's the only place you can really meet someone. And so Rudy does a decent job of, yeah, he doesn't guard point guards out there. He, he shouldn't have to, uh, and they can try and play him off the floor in the, point, in the uh, playoffs, but he's good enough offensively to stay on the floor. And, and to me, he has a bigger impact. So it's, again, it's not the juiciest of awards to me because it's all about, um, it's, it's not all about, but it's mostly about the eye test. And so I, I would I would Rudy G it up over Benny Simmons it up this year. Even though even though I'm gullible and I and I will listen to Ben Simmons tell me over and over and over again that he's defensive player of the year. If you watch him, uh, I, I think Rudy Gobert has more of an impact. He is their defense and he doesn't need and doesn't have incredible defensive players around him like Ben Simmons does. And Mike Conley is solid. They're solid for sure. Uh, but 
you know, Ben does work with some better players, especially Joel Embiid, who also said he wants to be Defensive Player of the Year. One day. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, it'll, I think it'll come down to those two guys. I'm not sure what you guys think. No, I think it's definitely sort of a two-man race here. It, Bam Adebayo is a great defender. He'll probably finish like third or fourth in this. But yeah, it's it's uh, we talked about it earlier this week. It's it's the big guy inside that protects the rim and Rudy Gobert, which would be his third defensive player of the year if I have it uh, correct there, right? If he does win at this one, and then yeah, Ben Simmons, who look, I think does because of his role is more of like a, a lockdown guy in the perimeter and can actually take the star player on the other team and keep him in check for the most part. He is really that good. And he's done it a lot of times this season, no matter who that star is coming in to play the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons out there. Like they're just not generally going off for like their 30 or 40 points that they put on every other team because Ben Simmons is awesome. He's big enough. He's fast enough. He's strong enough. He's obviously a smart defender. And yeah, they got a great team defense too, but a lot of that is led by him and what he does on the perimeter and just shutting down the, uh, the number one option. So I'm team Ben Simmons, but look, you know, Rudy Gobert is so important to what the Jazz do, and, and no one's going to disagree with that. They're both top three defenses in the league, too. You know, the Jazz currently second defensive rating, Sixers third. Number one team in the league, Lee, you know who the best defense is? And we're not even going to talk about a single player probably on there. Uh, Grizzlies? No. It's, this has been a weird one this year because the Mavericks have been up there, but it's no, not no, them. No. It's the Los Angeles Lakers have the best It is still the league. Lakers. Yeah. 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 Anthony Davis is bad at defense. They don't even need him. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I do think ultimately, though, Rudy Gobert is going to win this thing. Uh, Trey, I think uh, your team, Rudy, once again, I mean, you love a big man and he's damn important, but is Simmons number two to you? This is the Jazz's MVP award, to be quite honest. Giving this to Rudy Gobert is uh, part of the reason why he will never show up on an MVP ballot, because we're like, hey, we got an award for you right here, buddy, because, uh, I mean, with Simmons, he's my number two, but is he even the best defender on his own team? No, that's Embiid, for sure. Is he even the best perimeter defender on his own team? Questionable. Fiebel's really good, but to actually be able to bring it every night while you're also being a valuable offensive player, I think uh, you're giving it to Simmons, but I love the idea that a big guy doesn't guard one through five. That's just ridiculous to me because guess who shoots at the rim? Every single player from one to five. And the big man's the one who's got to be there, like Tass is saying. There's a lot to cover when you're a big guy, and especially uh, with Gobert, all the advanced stats are there for him. The win shares, defensive box plus minus D rating, things that I don't care about. One thing I do, though, most defensive rebounds per game, second in rebound percentage, that is the very end of defense, getting the ball back so that your team has it. Gobert is one of the is maybe the best in the league at it. You can throw Capella in the mix as mm-hmm. well, but I think it is Rudy Gobert uh, from an impact standpoint and from a being the Jazz's MVP standpoint. You got to give it up to him. People in the stream team are asking if he gets three Defensive Player of the Year awards, is Rudy Gobert going to be a Hall of Famer? I mean, kind of. I mean, you're starting on your way. On we way. still don't yeah. have Ben Wallace in there, and he's got a, uh, one more, but. That's a guy I think should be in the Hall of Fame as well. And maybe yeah. Rudy will get there eventually if he keeps stacking these things up. I think a championship he's, uh, would sure He's in it case. for this yeah, year, but... isn't he, um, Ben Wallace? He was nominated this year, wasn't he? Is that right? Yeah, but he's not been uh, officially enshrined, right? No, no, like no. Like selected. No, yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's, he a, absolutely... he's in the running. You think he should be in yeah. as well, Ben Wallace. <laughs> uh, he should be an absolute lock for sure. Um, yeah, I, Look, I think Gobert wins this, but I, my vote is for Ben Simmons. And uh, the Homer. reason is... <laughs> The, re- the reason is that I think where um, he, he sort of suffers, it's like Kawhi Leonard. I, I remember Zach Lowe wrote about this for a while. Like teams come down and see who Simmons is picking up and just move the ball away from him because right. he can affect the defense so good. And there's no way you can really 
count that stat or that impact because it's like, well, if this guy, if Simmons is guarding this guy, then let's just move this guy away from the ball. Not every possession, of course, but it happens for sure because Simmons has got that length because he's technically a small guy because he's a guard, but he's actually 6'10", so he's a big. So he could be the uh, the hybrid small big who actually wins Defensive <laughs> Player of the Year. So there's no bias either way. You know, I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, and that that's what I notice when I watch the Sixers. I'm just like, man, Simmons, you know, he moves around. He tries to sort of create defensive opportunities, but the, the, the other team tends to try to move the ball away from him uh, because of that reason. Because if he gets the ball down the other end, it's a score straight away because he's quick and he's athletic and he can't really be stopped in the open court. So uh, that's, to me, what I look at. I, I, I think, again, this this is right, that this, num- this award is far more about uh, an eye test first before it's about a statistical one because it's just a lot more difficult to measure defensive impact. And it's also a lot more difficult to look at and say, well, you know, is this a great defensive team and he's the anchor of that? Or is this guy just a great individual defensive player? And I think both Philadelphia and Utah have a strong case of both of those. Very good defensive teams with one major anchor. And in fact, the Sixers probably have the second one there with uh, Embiid as a sort of safety net for uh, Joel, uh, for uh, Ben Simmons on the perimeter. But you know, my, I'm, I'm glad to see that Ben Simmons does get uh, the recognition for it because I think he's been a great defender for a long time. And uh, and now, you know, it's like he, he's in the running for this award. And it's great to have that Philadelphia, Utah sort of spice and that beef going at <laughs> yeah. each other still. So, uh, yeah, but ultimately I think Gobert wins it. But I think Ben Simmons probably gets, you know, gets the most second place votes. I don't, I don't think yeah. anyone else comes second in this award. Yeah, Eileen, if you're, if you're torn between the two guys too... Gobert and Simmons, a small part of it, I think, has to be games played. I mean, just like we're talking with uh, MVPs and stuff like that, with a lot of these awards, availability is going to be like a driving force in a lot of these awards. That's the truth here. Gobert right now has played like 11 more games than Ben Simmons. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe that is a bit of a tiebreaker for some of you out there, that he's, sure. he's just been available more. They're both awesome defenders. Uh, NBA.com, before we move on here, recently talked with uh, Dikemi Mutombo. We brought him up, four-time defensive player of the year. Um, Deke won it with three different teams, didn't he, too? I think he, uh, Atlanta, I think he Philadelphia won it with the Nuggets, the Hawks, and then he won one oh, with the Sixers, it. like you said. Mm. Anyway, he was asked, who stands out among today's top defenders? Dikembe right away. Embiid, Gobert, Capella, he slipped him in there, mm-hmm. and then Ben Simmons. So, you know, he didn't just go with the big, big guys. He threw in Ben Simmons there. But then he was asked, what's more important, a rim protector or a perimeter defender? Yeah, probably have a pretty good idea what uh, Dikembe said. <laughs> Nothing like a good rim protector. That's what he said. Yes, there he is. Wow. Yeah, nice one. Good stuff, JD. No, no, no. Young so, boys. All right. So, uh, yeah, most of us have Rudy Gobert uh, winning defensive player there. With all of these awards, let's hear from you guys in the stream team in the YouTube comments. Tweet at us at NoDunkSync. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, Lily, let's go to sixth man of the year. Coming off the bench, who you got? Yeah, I'm going with Jordan Clarkson. Uh, and I think this one is fairly clear as well. Um, he's the second leading scorer on the team with the best record. His percentages have definitely cooled off since the All-Star game, uh, but he's still averaging 17 points on 42% shooting. He doesn't do a lot of other things out there, but he knows his role and the Jazz trust him to just go out there and shoot. And that's what he does. And he shoots and he scores and uh, he does it very, very well. Like I say, he, he was, you know, there was a sort of a fringe case for him to make the All-Star team for a while there because he was going so well and the Jazz were playing so well. Uh, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's cooled down a little bit since then, but he still does that role very, very well. And then after that, there's really not a ton of strong candidates either. I think Montrez is probably second best, who won it last year, of course. And then even someone like Carmelo Anthony's been good, but not not better than Jordan Clarkson, I don't think. Paddy Mills started off the season really well. Um, Ennis Cantor, when he came off the bench, he was basically averaging a double-double on 63% shooting, but he's only played in 27 games. I mean, he filled in, of course, when Nurk went down. Jordan Clarkson is a legit six-man. That's what his role is. He's out there to score and he does it well. So um, I really think that this one, uh, maybe not unanimous, but I think pretty close to it because, uh, he, you know, he's doing it on a team that's got the recognition, of course, as well as having the best record. And uh, it, that, that surprised me that he's still the second leading scorer on that team, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, pretty remarkable. I don't think that would have happened for a team this high up in the standings in the past. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Clarkson for me. One name I'm surprised you didn't mention there. It's another Aussie. What about Joe Ingles? I know he started a bunch of games for them, has, has slotted mm. in their starting lineup, but still more uh, games off the bench, I believe, than starting. I think he started something like 20 games. He's been damn good, too, for the Jazz. Their entire bench has been great. Yeah. And then Yang comes out off the bench, and he's been pretty good for them. So, uh, yeah, I think Joe Ingles, uh, he was shooting some ridiculously uh, high number as well, like sort of a historical high in terms of his true shooting percentage. Right. Uh, but, again, that's that's more the jazz. They they know Everybody knows their roles, and when a guy goes out and someone else can slot into the starting lineup, and then when that guy comes back, in the case of Mike Conley, then they, they resort back to their uh, bench role. And that was something Joe Ingles did struggle with in previous years, but I think this season he's a lot more comfortable doing that. And uh, and, and the Jazz are, you know, they, again they know everybody knows what's expected of them. They know their role, and they play it so well. So didn't I think you made the case for like a, the team bench uh, award at some point too, That's didn't bench. you? Like rather than a, a six man, like almost like a six bench. I think the Jazz would win that mm. too. But yeah, Jordan Clarkson, uh, he's been great, very good for them. Yeah, I saw a CB, uh, CBS Sports right that given all the time that players have missed this year, like due to injuries and then health and safety protocols with COVID and all that, that an argument could be made that bench play has never been more important than maybe this year. I thought that was interesting. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I thought it was an interesting point. Um, but yeah, I'm team bench award for this stuff, Lily, like you said. I actually have decided I hate this award, and I think it's This like, is worse than most improved, Yeah, it's actually. overtaken most it's improved worse. for the dumbest award. Yeah. You only need to look at one thing. Yeah. Who's got the most points off the bench? That's the guy that's going to win it, and that's why it's Jordan Clarkson this year, especially when you're mentioning, Lee, that he is the second leading scorer on the team. I think that's impressive, but when you look at, like, the points per game and the shooting percentages, like, Jordan Clarkson is basically having Tim Hardaway Jr.'s exact same season. Not right. totally different, um, but Tim Hardaway Jr. barely even mentioned no. in this. yeah. So yeah, J- Jalen Brunson uh, getting more sure. more yeah, six exactly man of the right. year buzz, yep. and and I'm fine with that. I think he's been great for the Mavs coming off the bench. Uh, yeah, Tess, what do you think of this award, and who do you got? 
Well, you know, the whole thing about having the best bench, I mean, that's kind of like the worst starters award as well, right? Just because, you know, <laughs> well, like, not necessarily. I mean, I, well, I, I guess you weren't on that podcast. I was pointing out that, yeah, like the Pistons, it was the Pistons and um, was it the Wolves maybe have the highest scoring uh, benches in the league? Mm-hmm. But then I said, yeah, if you were actually giving a best bench to a team award, you know, you got to throw out the crap teams. It's got to be more like the Grizzlies or, or the Jazz or the Lakers, even stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was there. I think I was on that. Were you podcast. on that one? I, can't I think keep I, <laughs> that was the beach. Um, You're right. We were on the beach. But yeah, so yeah, so it's just an award for the good teams, I guess. Wow, it's an award uh, for the best bench. <laughs> Who's that best second unit, man? I mean, they, yeah, the the Jazz obviously, yeah, they're they're rolling. Uh, yeah, who's who's got the best, you know, four or five man going, and the Jazz definitely have it. So it's it's kind of hard to go away from that. Jordan Clarkson has been great. Um, I think Tim Hardaway, yeah, has they found a role for him. They thought he was going to be a starter, and now they have this two-man duo coming off the bench, uh, him and Jalen Brunson in Dallas, and it works perfectly. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a Coach of the Year award as well. I mean, I guess the coach factors into all these awards, but to have a great bench means you got a freaking good coach. Uh, so why don't we have two Coach of the Year awards, Coach of the Year and Best Bench coach, um, or maybe we'll just have a bench coach, like like we do in baseball. Like that's, you know, there's there's actually do they still happen bench in baseball? Coach. Probably, like, I think so. Like just he just literally is the his name is his title is bench coach. Like, <laughs> what I do was you just, do when you're the bench coach? You're just, uh, you guys good? You guys yeah. good? Got All right, <laughs> make sure the bats nice. <laughs> those, those bats are in the right racks. Good, we're good. Because I, like, I, I was just looking at the, that pennant that we we're talking about, uh, the, the the '92 Blue Jays, and Gene Tennis was the the bench coach back then, <laughs> making sure everything's good. Yeah, let's see, everybody's Gene got their tennis. seats. Like, is everything just in the right spot? Maybe. Anyway, okay. all right. Uh, but you tennis. have Clarkson ultimately winning this thing. Yes. All right. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's been efficient too. It's not just putting points in the in the hole. Yeah, he started right. super hot, and I think that's carried him through here because Lee's right. Yeah. I think since the All Star break, it's not that it's not that amazing. Not, it, it's yeah. turning into a little uh, you know Lou Williams esque, right? Where it's great, points are there, and it's like uh, oh, it's like flirting forty percent from the floor type of shooting and like whatever he was from three, like 32%, I think since the all-star break, it's not, it's not amazing, amazing, maybe I think uh, some other names just to show some love. Shake Milton. It's been really good uh, in his role with Philly. Uh, we said Brunson, I had him on my list. What about Dario Saric? Is that crazy? What about this guy, Dario Saric and uh, what he's, he's been done? Awesome. He has been. And, and he's been, he played fourth quarter minutes at center for a long time yeah. for while well, Deandre Ayton, they were kind of figuring that out. He's yeah. He's played big. They found a role for him there too. You know, that's sometimes you just, you know, you're not a perfect fit. Sarge isn't a perfect fit as a starter because he's a little undersized. You might not play defense like if you're a Jordan Clarkson or a Tim Hardaway. Mm. There you go. Um, Derek Rose too, in mm. in what he's doing, especially with the Knicks. Um, I keep forgetting that to start the season he wasn't on the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that he actually he made his way there, played some games still there for the Pistons, but he's been really good in his role and talk about like hitting clutch shots and stuff like that and helping to their team success. So, let's hear from you guys. There's a lot of other ones you could throw out there, but uh we all think ultimately Jordan Clarkson will probably win this. Like TK said, it's usually just like, well, who scores the most? Okay, it's his award. And that's why it's sort of like, ah, I don't know. It's just not that fun anymore for some odd reason. Most improved maybe is better than this one. Oh, boy. Oh, I know. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get to the rookie of the year. Now, this one's interesting, at least, in terms of, like, LaMelo 
looking like he was running away with it, then gets injured, and has there been an opening for you, Tass, for an Anthony Edwards or somebody else to do enough to actually win this award from LaMelo? That's a super interesting. I will still go with LaMelo Ball, although I do think Anthony Edwards and what he's doing with the Timberwolves uh, has shown me that his ceiling is higher than LaMelo Ball's. But uh, at this point, this season, I think LaMelo Ball has had the perfect year uh, for him. And, and, and because Anthony Edwards uh, has been sort of inefficient, I mean, no one really wants to look into those numbers. But if you look at LaMelo versus Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards has some, had some incredible games. So he had 18 points in the fourth quarter yesterday against the Golden State Warriors. He's putting up some monstrous games, and he's becoming more efficient. But the fact that he's shooting 40% from the floor and 32% from three, uh, even though I think he's going to be a better player than LaMelo Ball soon, considering you know his role and, and how much he can take on uh, as a scorer and as a ball handler in the, in the fourth quarter, something LaMelo Ball I don't think can do. Uh, still, though, it, it shows me that LaMelo Ball has contributed a little bit more to winning by being more efficient because since he's become a starter, uh, LaMelo Ball, 19.5 points, 6 assists, 6 boards, uh, 46% from the field, and 42% from three. Wow. Ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Uh, so um, although Anthony Edwards, I, I think, will be not only sort of the, the lead ball handler on the Timberwolves in the fourth quarter next year, but... Uh, but he's going to do more than the mobile ball, and he'll get more efficient because since uh, Ryan Saunders was let go, he has become more efficient, and he has been absolutely balling. Uh, I don't think anyone expected him to be this good this quick, um, but uh, I think the mobile ball just sort of had a better, better overall and steadier year, which was a shocker as well. No one really thought that he'd be this steady. Those numbers that I just threw out there, I don't, I don't know if it's – uh, a bit of a mirage, you know, some of those numbers. Yeah, obviously 42% from three. I mean, I, I don't see that holding on, uh, but uh, he did it, and that's all that really matters. And I think uh, Anthony Edwards uh, will be the better player pretty soon, but uh, I don't, I, I, this won't look dumb, I don't think, in the future where we look back and say, Michael Carter-Williams won Rookie of the Year, yikes, or, you know, the, the Malcolm Brogdon thing. Like, Lamel, uh, maybe it will be sort of like the Malcolm Brogdon thing where LaMelo Ball is going to be a really steady and really good player, but I think Anthony Edwards, um, he's got the potential to be friggin' awesome, and I think that will happen. 41 games played for mm. LaMelo Ball. That's enough for you, Lily, to win ROI? Well, that's 23 games less right now than Anthony Edwards, so if we're going to dock points for other categories for games played, then we really should do it for this one as well. Um, you know, because that's basically a third of the season more that Edwards has played. And he's averaging 18.4 a game on 40%. I mean, that's great numbers. If only four and a half rebounds a game, which is a little bit of a surprise considering Melo overall is at six and six rebounds and assists. Um, LaMelo, for me, the shooting was much better than I thought it was going to be. You know, uh, I, obviously watching Lonzo and he doesn't have a great uh, mechanics himself there, LaMelo, I thought, I just don't know if this is going to hold up in his first season in the NBA, but it has for sure. Um, you know, and he, he was definitely like, he burst out of the blocks. Like from the start, LaMelo, you know, was coming off the bench and impacting games. And then when Terry Rozier went down, it was actually a great thing for the Hornets because it got LaMelo into the starting lineup and he became even better. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this, this I, I think actually Anthony Edwards would, would kind of be unlucky to, to not win this if he does play, uh, I'm not sure exactly how many games he got left there, but probably only five or six games to go. And, and to put up those sort of numbers, he'd, he'd be unlucky. But LaMelo might also come back for the last couple of games and just uh, 
just do enough there. So th- this one's a flip of the coin for me, really. Um, you know, Edwards started off slow, but he's really picked it up and he's become uh, an impressive player. I think they've got, they, they were, you know, this was the draft that you sort of didn't really want to have the number one pick because you just didn't quite know what you were getting because of everything that went on with the coronavirus and no March Madness and Lamelo playing in Australia. But I think the first, uh, you know, the first pick was turned out to be great. So, I, I guess in the end I go Lamelo, but uh, Anthony Edwards has got a very, very strong case, and the games played probably should tilt it in his favour in the end. But uh, but I'm not sure it will. Trey or why? I've got Lamelo in a blowout. I actually see it the exact opposite of Tass, where I think that it is going to kind of be a mistake for the Timberwolves to have not taken Lamelo because when he was playing his best for the Hornets, they were making a push into the playoffs, trying to challenge for uh, a home court advantage spot in the Eastern Conference, which obviously is not quite as impressive, were it in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, Edwards' best stretch has been, while the Wolves are completely out of things and people aren't really taking him serious, I mean, maybe it turns out like a Hakeem Michael Jordan sort of thing where you're not upset taking a number one pick who's Anthony Edwards, but Lamelo to me is a transformational player. He's probably in the top 10 already of guys who you would like to build a franchise around. I just think he has that star power. He has... Uh, the infectious energy and the ball moving skills that are similar to a Steve Nash who you're just going to want to play on the court with him because he makes everybody better and the ball keeps moving. He does more defensively than Edwards does. The only thing he doesn't have is uh, the game's played advantage, which if that is the case, then, you know, I think that's a, a certainly a fair criticism. I had Embiid over Brogdon way back right. in the day, so I think this is fair to still have LaMelo over Anthony Edwards. Right, and remind me, I mean, Embiid had played, what, 30 games in 30 that one year? And like, yeah. LaMelo is at least 82, going to have yeah. played over half, uh, especially if he comes back here. He could get up to, like, let's call it 45, 46 games out of a 72-game season. Yeah, I think uh, LaMelo's ultimately going to win this. He would be my pick. Um, just because, like you said, Trey, he's... There are, it feels like there have been, like, three rookies that have really contributed to winning games. LaMelo at the top of that list. I think Tyrese Halliburton is uh, you know, in the mix, too, probably finishes mm-hmm. third in this race, maybe even second if you get some of those votes. Uh, I know the Kings are disappointing. Uh, they had their flashes, but he has helped win them games, and he looks like an awesome player. And then probably Emmanuel quickly with what he's done for the sure. Knicks, too, has uh, contributed at the very least. Um, but I go LaMelo. And, uh, yeah, he's played just enough games, especially if he comes back, like you were saying, Lili, that really probably cements his case uh, to, to win this, and I don't think anyone will be all upset with it. Are there any other underrated rookies, Tass, like, that you're excited about that's not going to win Rookie of the Year here, but, like, you're like, oh, yeah, there, there's something to this kid that is pretty special. Has anyone else, like, jumped out at you from the 2020 draft? Well, I think Detroit should be pretty pumped with Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, both those dudes. And Killian uh, Hayes. Yeah. Three good rooks, I think. I would lead with the other two, but I don't know. I like uh, Killian hasn't really well, he jumped hasn't out at a me. ton either, but. Uh... Yeah. The other dudes, um, yeah, I, I think Sadiq Bey, who the heck knew that uh, he had that ability to shoot it? Uh, and Isaiah Stewart, I mean, uh, ever since I heard on the Pistons broadcast that he could be the next Dennis Rodman, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm listening. I mean, he, go, he gets after it. Uh, yeah. He is. He's one of those type of guys. So, yeah. He contributes Detroit. to winning, too, in all honesty. I know they don't win yeah. a ton of games, but he actually does things that you want out there to help win games. Yeah, That's why they got the best bench. Uh, because, <laughs> right. because they're starting Killian Hayes and they got to go to their bench uh, with a lot of guys. They just got to go. They try and say, huh, our young guys, let's let's get out there. And then the, the bench just comes and takes care of business. But that's it's not an easy team to play. Uh, so the, those I think even though, you know, people look at Detroit and say, 
I don't know, it's kind of forgettable, just just like the Wolves are, you know, have been sort of forgettable at times. Uh, you know, those guys uh, have potential. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I believe in Anthony Edwards' potential. I, I know that uh, the numbers aren't as good as LaMelo's this year, but I'm buying the confidence and, and the fact that, uh, you know, he has had to have more of a this-is-on-your-shoulders type of role than LaMelo did for, for much of the year. So I, I think he's, he's shown that he's got that. He's, got, he's just got that mental makeup that you have to have in the NBA if you're going to be a, the go-to guy. Mm. And sometimes... Sometimes you, you get that. Sometimes, you know, you, know, you got to be a little, you know, a little borderline crazy, like Lee and his pencils to be like just the guy that is going to shoot every time he's ready, just like Lee's ready to draw <laughs> at any time. Trey, any other rookies uh, that you think have maybe been a little underrated this year that you want to show some love to? Facundo Campazzo, baby. Mm. He's been a lot better than I thought he would be. I thought he would be another Milos Teodosic where we're seeing all these highlights from his time playing overseas. He comes here, throws a couple of them in the preseason, but then really can't stay on the court. That hasn't been the case with the Campazzo. Despite being one of the smaller guys on the league, he'll still occasionally get some crunch time minutes for the Nuggets. He's a more pesky defender than I thought he would be. I thought he would just be a flashy passer, but... He's played a little defense. He's been a decent passer as well. And he's been important for the Nuggets to have, especially with Jamal Murray going down. Lee, anyone else? No, just more on Emmanuel quickly. I think he's been great for the Knicks, you know, shooting away there, firing away from deep sometimes. But uh, this is, you know, the Knicks has been a great story this season. And him coming in there uh, and playing that role pretty well, I think he's going to be a fan favorite very, very in the near future. All right. A few Grizzlies, I think, have been really good. X going to give it to you, Xavier Tillman Sr. Yeah, the young guy with the senior at the end of his name. I love that. I think he's been good. Desmond Bain's been really good for them uh, in his role in terms of scoring the ball. So Grizzlies got some good ones there. Um, But let's hear from all of you out there. An underrated rookie is a fun question. All right. I was hoping somebody was going to what about this guy, Patrick Williams, so I didn't have to. But that guy takes like six shots during an entire week. (laughs) Shoot the ball, man. (laughs) Get some shots up right now. Are you kidding me, Patrick? Yeah, especially with the Bulls uh, doing what they're doing right now. Just shoot it, dog. Just shoot it. Get those paws working. All right. Most improved player. Lee, start us off here. Is this going to take one minute? Uh, I can't believe uh, how excited you are for this award, Skeetsy. This is incredible. Uh, Look, this was a race early on. I think Christian Wood jumped out of the gates. He's still on track for 20 and 10. Good shooting. Jeremy Grant, the big contract. He's lived up to that, improving his scoring average by more than 10. Gilgis Alexander, he's on 24 points at 50, 40, 80, but he shut down. And the sex man has also been good. But uh, (laughs) this one may be unanimous, I think, Julius Randle, for a lot of reasons. Starting off the numbers, 24, 10, 6 assists. A legit three-point shoot, uh, shooter now as well, making 42% on over five attempts a game. He's basically career highs across the board. You know, there's the odd percentage here and there. But that three-point shot, he's never been a great three-point shooter, but this year he is. He's an improved playmaker, a leader. The Knicks are a playoff team. He was an all-star. He's almost a lock, I would say, for All-NBA at this point as well. And, the, you know, the main thing is here, I think, Skeetsy, why you like it this season, this is not a second-season guy or even a new team guy or, you know, a, 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 a you know a bump-in minutes guy. He is averaging a career-high in minutes. I will point that out. But that's a reflection of, A, his coach. Tibbs likes to play his guys' heavy minutes. And also, he's warranted that extra play because he's been so important for them. So, overall, uh, there's so everything is in Julius Randle's favor here. The numbers, the narrative, the team record, and uh, it's been standing out. So, I, I like I say, I think he probably does ultimately win this um, in a uh, as close to as unanimous as you're going to get. 
Yeah, I, I will be shocked if he doesn't get all of the first place votes at this point. Tass, uh, same for you? It's perfection. A guy in year number seven to be playing like this uh, to improve. It's yeah, it's easy for for everybody voting. I mean, it's I I can't get over it. Game to game, just watching him and how he's still able to get his shot off. Everyone knows it's coming because he's not necessarily flying by guys. He's still just he's able to get that room and just let it go. And I I just don't know how uh, you know in this day and age where everybody you know wants people to shoot threes or go to the rim. The guy is just on fire from 19 feet. Like that's he's become like the new Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, he doesn't you know back down guys. He kind of faces them up, but. Uh, to me, he's the he's the number one big man mid range guy uh, in the NBA, but he can still put on the floor. It's not like he's just uh, he's not just immobile. Like he was way more mobile than than Lamarcus. But man, I mean, it's I don't know when it's going to stop for the Knicks. Like I, I just keep waiting. That I feel like somebody's going to slow down on the Knicks, and uh, it's not going to be Julius Randle. He's just somehow he's become a better player in year seven. So yeah, it's perfect for everybody who both hates and loves this award because it's it's not just a second-year guy. We've got people in the stream team uh, at, saying Ken Porter Jr. deserves it because he's he scored 50 last night. Come on, Yash. What are we talking about here? He's he's a second-year player. Are we kidding? Of course he's going to improve. Uh, so a seventh-year guy. You know, it's it's yeah. Hito Turgaloo-esque. It's Ryan Anderson-esque. It's, uh, it, it's good. It's good. And, and the part where the player turns into an all-star or an all-NBA-like guy, that's what we've been seeing with this award in the last couple of years, right? Like Brandon Ingram, Siakam before that, uh, who else? We, Oladipo, Giannis. I mean, McCollum hasn't hit an all-star yet, but he's sort of in that same sort of group. So it checks out here with Randall. You're fine with it, TK? 100%. This is an easy one. Uh, going from good to great is such an awesome improvement to go from being, you know, cap fodder, which you might have called Julius Randle heading into this season to an all-NBA player. Simply incredible stuff, if we're being quite honest. That's why Jalen Brown is number two on my ballot. Kind of a similar case, but he was starting further ahead, I would say, uh, than Randle yeah. was. The only question right now is when Zach Lowe is going to release the low cut of his list. You know, we saw the, Sni the Zach Snyder cut of Justice League was four hours long. Let's see the Zach Lowe cut. 55 players deep wow. on the most improved ballot. I could only go three. I ended up with Jeremy Grant at number three. He's certainly fallen off. We don't talk about him as much, but it's really nice to show the Pistons some love yeah. at the back end of an award ballot. You know, it feels great. I know. Shout out to all the Detroit Pistons fans out there. All eight of you listening to this podcast. You must be loving this right now. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors 
row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, well, one more award. Let's wrap this up, and then we'll end with some rapid-fire fun. Uh, Coach of the year, okay? Now, my criteria fits the same criteria as Zach Harper with The Athletic. He does a great job, by the way, all season long over at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks of like sort of like keeping you up to date on what he's thinking with his award races. He actually has a vote. I didn't point that out. We don't have a vote. We never have. Probably never will. So this is just our opinion <laughs> here. But Zach does for The Athletic. And when it comes to coach, it's twofold, right? Lee, it's team expectations, right? So does a team surprise us based on preseason expectations? Because um, that usually is going to help a, a coach's chances to jump up in the voting for this award. And then secondly, they're just flat-out team success. Like, did you, did you win a bunch of games? Like, how good was your squad? So... My short list, it's only three names. You, go, go nuts if you want to try and convince me Steve Nash should be in here, Doc Rivers. Like, I don't really care. I just don't think they're going to finish top three. It's a three-man race, three-coach race. I said it earlier this week. It's the Knicks' Tom Thibodeau, it's the Suns' Monty Williams, and it's the Jazz's Quinn Snyder. That's it. That's it. I do not care who wins this. I'll be happy with all three of those guys if they win. <laughs> I wouldn't be upset. I'd be like, done. Perfect. Three-way tie, maybe. And like, this might be the one, Lee, where maybe we're a little premature trying to pick a coach of the year. Because I do wonder if whoever has the best record in the league wins it. And I'm talking about, you know, Tom Thibodeau. That's not going to be him in the Knicks. But it could be Monty Williams if the Suns get the number yeah. one seed. Or it could be, of course, Utah Jazz's Quinn Snyder if they do. Do you think that's fair? Yes, uh, it's Monty Williams for me, though, because uh, the Jazz have a very good team and we had expectations for them. The Suns, like I say, the, I, I would probably say if the Suns finished sixth this season, that would have been a success. The fact they could finish, finish first and have the best record in the league, that to me is uh, just an incredible tournament. Now, Chris Paul gets a lot of credit, so does Devin Booker, but so does Monty Williams. I think yeah. uh, that, was a, that was a situation where it was like, you know, People thought, uh, you know, wondered, is, Mo- is Monty Williams really a good coach? Because we know things sort of petered out not well for him there in New Orleans. He's gotten there and he's done a fantastic job with Phoenix. So I think it's him and I think it's probably Thibodeau number two for the job he's done with the Knicks. That's also surprised me. Uh, I-, I think I picked Steve Nash going in, but I'll be uh, disgusted if Steve Nash wins it because you can't have a decent job. I know he has amazing he's talent, done, but look, he's, he's got done all these it. other he- guys contributing. 
But you can't you can't have uh, you can't have Durant and Irving coming into the season and then trade for James Harden and then say, ah, oh, great coaching there. I mean, he's done a great job. And, and the Nets, you know, like basically those three guys have almost not played together anyway. But uh, Nash does not deserve it this season, despite the fact the Nets probably have the best record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, okay. I think it's Monty Williams, uh, as I say, Thibs, and then probably Quinn Snyder for me in that order. I think you're maybe, I don't know, shortchanging Quinn Snyder a little bit. Doesn't he deserve a bunch of credit for changing the way Utah played? Because they were not a three-point shooting team to this level last year. And, like, he altered it. They were a good team, like you said. They were already a decent Jazz team, you know. Uh, And basically have the same, for the most part, core. And, you know, another year with Conley under your belt and all that. But, like, they just embraced the long ball. Quinn Snyder, like, sort of went Nick Nurse on us and was like, nah, let's just jack a bunch of threes. And here they are with the best record in the league. I, I think he deserves a little bit of, you know, maybe more respect, I guess, in your in, in, where you're putting him here in this rankings. I, I think Quinn Snyder could win this thing. And, and because of that, I think that's big to, like, take a really good team with, yeah, the defensive identity, but say, hey, we're going to do something completely different here on offense. And that's shoot a bunch more threes. And, like, they lead the league in, in basically threes made per game. You make a good point, Skeets. We'll see if uh, if the best record in the league thing certainly matters because yeah. the Jazz have been the best team in the league for the majority of the season. Uh, that's sometimes a nice mix to win Coach of the Year. Obviously not every single season. and But I don't know. It feels like there's not a lot of buzz for Quinn Steiner yeah. right now, but I'm, I'm 100% with you. There definitely should be. Uh, it feels like he's going to just naturally come in third on a lot of ballots, which is probably too low. Tess, what do you think? I'm with you. I think the Phoenix Suns added another coach in Chris Paul while Quinn Snyder kind of has had to do it all himself. Uh, so I, I think he is, yeah, he's implemented um, a great system yet yeah, to, to really change it up to try and get the most out of Donovan Mitchell's ability to drive by throwing out everybody out on the three-point line. Uh, but I'm also with you in that Whichever suit comes home with it, uh, I'm okay with. Right. You know, the players are the ones who do it, and uh, so I, you know, I, you know, I joke that the the Suns got a new coach. Listen, the Jazz players have have, have implemented a, a, a smart system, and so yeah, whether it's Tibbs, Monty, uh, whether it's Quinn Snyder, if you want to give a little bit of a an edge to a guy who looks like a Batman villain, maybe it could be Quinn Snyder. Uh, throw mm. him in there. Tibbs um, looks like and, the Penguin, though. <laughs> that's a good point right. give him the umbrella for sure yeah. who's Monty then who's Monty which Batman villain is Monty <laughs> maybe he's Joe Chill nobody knows what he looks yeah, like yeah. 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 he's chill but I think I think Steve Nash has done a great job you can yeah, dock him all the points because he's got superstars but he's held that locker room together through uh, a roller coaster of a season and uh, you know, I think I think the locker room is set by him uh, and by uh, Durant and and Irving, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches. You know, most talent the NBA has ever had, most coaching talent the NBA oh, wow. has ever had. Wow. <laughs> that's bold. Maybe I don't yeah, know. I think. Well, no, that's interesting. I think it was uh, Ben Golliver and uh, Michael the Pod Pina talking about with Coach of the Year here. It's sort of funny. Maybe some of the best coaches in the league are not going to be in the running at all. For this award, like Pop and Spolstra and, you know, Carlisle and, you know, it, it's like a great point. Like, and a big part of it, of course, is expectations and stuff like that. So we're going to get, you know, some new blood here, maybe winning it. Uh, I think Monty Williams would be a great story, no doubt. 
I just think people keep holding it over Monty Williams that they went 8-0 in the bubble last year. And so everyone's like, well, hey, you were good in the bubble. So is it all that surprising that you're still good? I mean, it's like, okay. Uh, but- sure, but you also see the flip side where they're like, look at what Monty Williams has done over the case or the course of his two years there in Phoenix, right? right? Turning them from a team that was just all about getting Devin Booker buckets to a team that's actually competitive. How about in an actual race? Who's winning this? Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder, Tom Thibodeau. I think you're saying Thibs comes in third, yeah, probably. Yeah. But I think Monty versus Quinn yeah. is actually a little bit of a race. Obviously, I'm leaning towards Monty first, being a professional athlete. But Quinn Snyder's in good shape still. Sure, yeah. Well, that's where Spolstra as well. He could he could make a late point. charge. He's always in great shape. Well, but, are we uh, running a 100-meter race here? Are we do, yeah. What are we doing, 800, 1,500? What are we running here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Snyder's not winning anything in boat shoes, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> no good point. Yeah, Very good. Yeah. So many blisters if you're running in those things. Okay, so uh, yeah, we, we're not upset with any of those three guys winning. I guess if I'm going on the record, I think Monty Williams does win it. I think he will. I think he'll get the most votes. People also love Monty Williams. I guess all three of these guys are sort of liked, but comes down to who sometimes these... Uh, these people actually just like to talk to in their Zoom press <laughs> conferences a little bit. Maybe that's a, a weird tiebreaker for some of y'all out there. Okay, so those are our NBA award picks and predictions and all that. Let us know who you guys would have, especially in the YouTube comments. You can tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. as well. Let's end this drop podcast with a little rapid fire fun, though, because, guys, Kevin Love apologized for his on court temper tantrum this week, saying that his behavior was out of line and out of character but it had nothing to do with any frustration toward his teammates or coaches. It was all about that referee there. So he was quite apologetic. I want to know though, what's something trivial you would like to apologize for? Task, get us started. I'd like to apologize for not bringing reusable bags into the grocery store, but not to the world and to the environment for using plastic. No, to, to myself, because I will never, ever take plastic from the clerk, even if I don't have bags. I'll just hand bomb that. I will carry wow. it out. And so yesterday I had about eight items in my grasp, in my paws, and I uh, couldn't get it to the car. I dropped some stuff on the way to the car. But, uh, you know, it got there yeah. all in one piece. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm annoying myself. I got the bags in the car. I just forget. I'm deep into a pod in my ears, so I'm just, I just forget. But I will never, ever, ever take plastic. I'll yank it out of there myself and then drop it in the parking lot. Trey? I want to apologize uh, for yesterday's show. I said Steve Nash didn't deserve the MVP in 2005. I was joking. That was a Shaq joke. I actually do think he deserved it. It was a very fun season, but I also like uh, to zing Skeets every now and then. And Skeets, I'd also like to apologize to you specifically uh, because you were copied on the back and forth between me and John Schumann talking about... If Steve Nash won the MVP in 2005, then Derrick Rose was clearly the MVP in 2011. I'm sorry I kept you copied on that one. I should have tapped you out early. We took it to DM eventually, but uh, you were probably upset with a couple of those uh, those notifications. I was worried you were going to hit me with the Lee Ellis mute. No, 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 no. I was going to jump in here because I think, yeah, this was the whole... It, it came up because I brought up that tweet from Kazim about the idea of, like, Steve Nash winning MVPs, does it help or hurt, basically, Chris Paul's chances to win an MVP this year. And I saw Schumann going deep on his numbers like he does, but I think he was losing sight of it a little bit. Really, I read that tweet as K 
can a guy that doesn't score a ton of points in today's game win MVP? Because Nash was not scoring a bunch back then. He was like 18 points per game or something. Chris Paul is what? 16, 17 points per game. Something like right. that. That, to me, I'm just looking at it like that. But, of course, the impact they have on the team winning and all that. But, uh, no, you don't need to apologize for that. I love a good back and forth between you and Schumann. The only thing better is Tassett Schumann uh, going back and forth <laughs> on each other. That's my favorite. Yeah. And then it's Trey. Yeah, we got it. We got to get back at that, Schumann. Yeah, you used to. Let me know something I said that was stupid, (laughs) Schumann. Let's let's, let's do it. All right. So I can apologize to you. Uh, Before you move on, uh, Sarah Gray writes, this pod turned into an apology dinner. Do people do that? Like sit around a table and apologize to each other? I've never heard that. Is that a thing? I think it was was like a trending thing on Twitter maybe yesterday that somebody threw an apology dinner for a friend or a relative or something like that to apologize for something. So I... Kind of is what we're doing. Oh, that's going to okay. be... Uh, maybe that'll be happening at the MVP table. Jokic's <laughs> <laughs> just apologizing to everybody for having won it. Uh, ultimately. Uh, Lee, what's something trivial you would like to apologize for? Well, while we're all talking about Shooms, I'll, uh, I'll apologize for calling him tiny the other day. Because oh, uh, yeah. he, he fact-checked me and said he's 5'8", and he didn't think that that qualifies as tiny. So uh, I, I, what, I, what I just meant was, you know, I would say Shooms is an undersized point guard, but out on the court, he plays well above that sort of uh, height. He, he's feisty out there. Right. He's got a shot. He can drive inside. So I wasn't dissing him. I was just saying, like, you know, he goes out there and plays really well when he plays, and he's tough. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Apologies, Shumes. Apologies if you took offense to that. This is the John Schumann apology. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Schumann. Oh, he stuck around. All right. Uh, Next one here. As we discussed earlier this week, Dr. Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease expert, has challenged MSNBC's host Chris Hayes to a one-on-one game of basketball. We loved it. We were tweeting about it. Chris Hayes was tweeting back, talking trash back to Fauci. It was great. We got to put it on pay-per-view. That's what we got to do. But if that is the main event, Hayes versus Fauci, we need an undercard, guys. So, which random celebrity would you like to challenge right now to a game of one-on-one and why? Tass. Give me Bruno Mars. <laughs> he's tiny. He's tiny. He's, he's nowhere near John Schumann's height. Uh, I know I know where I'm buttering my bread. I'm doing it in the post, and I'm taking him down there, and I'm taking care of business down there. I've always wanted to step on Mars. And uh, I shall do that with Mr. Bruno. We'll get it done down there. And I think he likes to play basketball. Like, I think it would Does be he? a... Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh. I mean, I, maybe he's just like every every guy who you know has ever picked up a ball, they do it in a music video. I feel like I've seen him in a music video do it, but maybe not. Okay. Anyway, I'll uh, see him in the post. And uh, it'll be a, a spirited affair, but I'll win. Okay. I would love to pay money. I, I would pay money to see, yeah, Taz dink and dump on Bruno Mars down in the post all day. That'd be great. It's not fair. Bruno I mean, it's not fair. How tall is Bruno he's Mars? He's got to be 5'3". Yeah. Yeah. He's, right. he's tiny. You can throw tiny on him. I guess it would be like the video of uh, Lee Ellis versus Matt Austin in Area 21 yeah, back at yeah. the Turner Studios. Yeah. Just, I feel like Bruno Mars would be scrappy. Yeah, he almost beat you that day, I remember, Lily. Yeah, why not? It was a good game. He, what a he had a chance, didn't he, to beat you? <laughs> yeah, he had oh, a couple of chances. Yeah, he yeah. did. You <laughs> kept turning it over. Yeah, he was all up on you. Yeah. Matt Austin for Defensive Player of the Year, man. He's like Ben Simmons out there. <laughs> um, all right, Trey, what's a random celebrity or who's a random celebrity you'd like to challenge? Give me Snoop Dogg. Tass is going with Bruno Mars. I want Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Similar size. You know, I think he... I don't, It's weird to me to say that a celebrity is listed at something. <laughs> uh, but he's listed at six foot four, maybe 125 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, looking like a Pokashevsky out there. I think that'd be a fun game. I want that smoke. Okay. 
That'd, that'd be a great game, I think. Trey versus Snoop. And Lee, are you going with a musical artist as well? I am. I'm going with Rihanna because uh, remember her at the uh, NBA Finals there? She was up talking trash to Kevin Durant on the sidelines. Yep. Mm. And I think that's what she'd be like out there. I think she'd be quite feisty. She'd, she'd be loving to talk trash. And uh, I'd like to take her on in the game of one-on-one. So, uh, yeah, give me Rihanna. Okay. I think it'd be great. Right. She's, she's, she's listed at a pretty tall height. Uh, <laughs> and I think we did look her up because we saw her on the streets of Toronto in 20. 20- 11 I think we were randomly we were there for I guess it was the end of our tour anyway she yeah. was there for it was, it was a it was for an all-star event uh, anyway she was tall she's 59 and I think she's every it's inch legit of that. is it <laughs> right. okay final one Zion Williamson uh, may have been the victim I guess he was in the end after the uh, last two minute report but the victim of a costly non-call in the Pelicans 114-112 loss to the Nuggets uh, earlier this week on Wednesday but 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 Zion believes he'll receive more foul calls as he builds his NBA resume quote I gotta earn my respect I'm only in year two love that attitude from Zion but my question off of this is what do you think you're most respected for Tess Mmm. Probably singing jingles, especially for our advertisers. Uh, I've had a few comments from people who work at The Athletic who say, yeah, it's a, it's a good ad. Because I will sing any cheesy, <laughs> cheesy tune, cheesy song. No problem. Right. I'll, I'll come up with the tune. That's how my brain works. Oh, there's a tune in my head. Advertiser, you got a jingle, and it also gets me out of having to really read your copy. So, it, yeah, that's, that's where I get my respect from, I think, from advertisers. I'm a sellout. Good answer. Trey? I mean, people are still talking about Tass's Bombas ad read and his <laughs> La Bombas performance. Uh, incredible stuff. As for me, Skeets, um, I'm the most respected butcher in basketball right now. So hot the NBA couldn't even handle it. But here's the thing, Skeets. My customers love me because I bring them the freshest, most delicious beef. So I can't just let one sit on the shelves. JD, roll that beautiful beef footage. <laughs> Alizé Johnson had 21 rebounds. That's a lot of roast beef. Proving once again there is more than corn in Indiana. There's beef. No dunks. We love roast beef, which is rebounds. Wow, another big beef versus Indy. What's going on Thank here? Thank you to the Pacers. Those corn cobs giving us a whole bunch of big beefs late in the season. That's why I get the respect, Geetzy. Got to put them in there. Got to squeeze in the beef every now and then. Had to it. do it. Oh, absolutely love it. And Lee, you're going to wrap this up. What is Lee Ellis most respected for? Look, I think it's nighttime book time reading because uh, nothing, almost nothing can prevent that from happening every night. Uh you know, since uh, I remember, since Sebastian turned three months old, I said, I'm just going to read to him every single night until he's like, all right, Dad, I've had enough. It's been uh, nearly nine years of reading every single night. When I'm home, obviously, I've been on the road every now and again, so I don't do those nights. But other than that, every single night I've uh, read to my boys, and it's great. So I think they appreciate it, and I think they love it. And I think Roxana respects that about me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great in. Next time, book time. Okay, that's it for Rapid Fire. That's it for this Drop Podcast. JD, good luck today and this weekend with all of your uh, house maneuvers going on, buying and selling and all that. Wheeling and dealing.
Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Hope we have great news come Monday for you. Like, comment, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube, guys. Email us your NBA questions and comments for next week's Beach Step and Podcast, no dunks at theathletic.com to email them in. Grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Going to be teasing a new t-shirt next week. That's all I'll say right now. We will be back on Monday. Only two weeks remaining uh, of the regular season. This is uh, it's getting exciting here in a hurry, and we'll be into the playoffs before we know it. Thanks so much for joining us to the stream teamers out there. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, thanks to you guys, because you've given me a great dinner idea. My MVP dinner this weekend is going to be beef and corn. <laughs> Straight up. Your apology dinner, beef and corn being served. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry for spreading these kernels everywhere. Embrace the weekend, people. You could stay.